This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. You can tell Curtis Lee was in the house with Anthony Weiner. Oh, yeah. No sleep. No sleep. Yeah, we should follow with cult of personality. Oh, you see? Living color. Oh, we can really go on a roll. Anyway, let's calm this down. Anthony is already starting to... I'm just saying. It's, it's, I, I have to be reminded that frequently your job here on the radio is to keep people awake. Yes. That I have. You know, I'm trying to get them into a nice groove. You're trying to keep them awake. Well, you're, you're trying to get them into a groove for brunch. You know, they're going to go out. Right, exactly. They're going to enjoy the rest exactly. of the day, even though it's raining. Although I will tell you, we got the trifecta opening up the show, left versus right. want to give you a quick update. We're dealing with two, count them, two emotionally disturbed passengers on the 4-train and D-train this morning. Not myself, but the Bronx Guardian Angel Patrol. I'll give uh, details tonight because it plays right in Mm -hmm. to uh, Eric Adams, the mayor's plan to remove emotionally disturbed persons from the subways, the parks, and the streets. That's number one. Number two, I see you walked into the belly of the beast in my old neighborhood, Canarsie. Yeah. Uh, Tell me. the Thomas Thomas Jefferson Democratic Democratic Club, my home home Democratic Club, Chuck Schumer's. Hakeem Jeffries, and your your yours was the name that rang out the most when I mentioned it. You know, people, you know, uh, Frank Sedio, who's still the chairman out there, mentioned that you and I are on the radio together. People nodded their head. Local kid made good. Local Canarsie kid yeah, made well, you, good. You tell Frank Sedio used to be the chairman of the Kings County uh, Democratic Machine. When I get into fights on 89th Street uh, <laughs> between uh, Flatlands and MUJ with all the Supreme Cuisines. Uh, Frank uh, and his uh, brother would say, oh, we got your back. I looked behind me. They were gone. <laughs> they were running. Now, he eventually became a cop, eventually became a judge. They had to defrock him because he had no credentials. He was a surrogate court judge, not just any judge. He right. was a big deal judge. And then they made him in charge of the whole Brooklyn County. Jumani Williams made his bones there. Everybody in Brooklyn. Yeah, now that, but, you know, because of the history there, the Meet Espositos, the, the Tony Genovese's, these were the last. I got to tell you, and I said this a little bit. You, when You forgot your main peep, Stanley Fink, one of your Stanley peeps. Stanley Fink, that's exactly right. But some of it, you know, people forget this was the heyday of the smoke-filled rooms. Yes. They made a lot of judges. They made a lot of politicians. They made, And, you know, we all talk about the idea, oh, I wish the party would do this or that. This is the last vestige of anything the parties have any control of. Let me of. tell you, I'm in uh, fourth grade at that time, PS 114. Alan Topol, best teacher I ever had in my life, and he gives us assignments. You know, we're talking the the election, LBJ versus Goldwater. You got to go to the various political clubs and do research, which we did. 
I walked into Thomas Jefferson. You know, I was born in the age of Camelot, JFK. I walk into the smoke-filled caverns, Conklin and 92nd. Meet Esposito's there smoking the cigars, FFF bombs. Tony Genovese, young at that time, FFF bombs. Stanley Finkel went on to become speaker of the assembly uh, in Albany, FFF bombs. I'm a little kid. Yeah. I'm all, oh, my God. Then I'm outside. The congressman, Brasco, is getting shook down to fix tickets on a construction site. Then a year later, I see in the paper, Brasco goes to jail for mail order fraud. I'm like... Oh, my God, it's a cauldron of corruption. Well, let's not get carried away. Look, there there was, uh, at a, at the time, these clubs had a lot of power. Now all they really pick is nominees for judge, and sometimes they even lose. But they, it's not like it used to be. You'd go there for jobs. You'd go and you'd volunteer and you'd stuff envelopes and you'd carry petitions and everything else because they could really take care. They could fix stuff for you. They can get in the, did, did you say fix In stuff? the best sense of the word, in yeah. the best sense of the okay, word. Okay, I want to. But, you know, here, you know, you haven't been in 77 Conklin in, in a while, but – the, it, the the physical room is, it's an open room, and then where the leader's desk is, is slightly raised. Yes. So it's not really separate from the rest of the room very much at all, and there's a little bit of an, a wrought iron kind of thing that goes around the edge of it. But it kind of like it there, the, 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 the top person among others. But I have to tell you, I learned a lot from Tony Genovese died in a car accident the year I was running for Congress. And it was August, I think, and my, my primary was September. And when I ran against against your 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 now ex Melinda Katz, she was leading all night in the returns. And Tony Genovese had always trained his workers to be very slow and deliberate, opening up the backs of the machines, writing down. So so at the end, there would always be this 39th. Now it's a different number. Now it's 50 something. But this 39th assembly district surge at the end. And I was the beneficiary of that surge when I ran, even though Tony Genovese was no longer with us. That everyone had been so well trained to be nice and slow at the end, so it would always be bang. Their votes would come yeah, in. Write the and numbers that was down the before the cops would get the numbers. Write well, the numbers. Fix the numbers. So that, hey, we knew wins. By the way, in, in all the conspiracy theories, you know what everyone really forgets is what they're really asking for is the kind of the old machines that were very hard to screw around. Oh, with. The, the old dinosaurs. Yeah. Once you threw that bar and a counter went up on the back, you were not necessarily. You knew how many votes were cast, how many votes for each person. Yeah, they, but, were, they were hermetically sealed in between elections. Uh, they were on a, in a, a warehouse. A warehouse. Red Hook, supposedly nobody touched him, but in the second Giuliani election, because this time he didn't want any votes going to Dinkins that he hadn't earned, they opened up a few of the machines in the Bronx, and there were already 250 votes for Dinkins. That's, come on. So they took those machines out. They they immediately disqualified those machines. But the problem with that crazy, if it's true, is that each machine, you didn't know which slot was going to be for which person. They alternated different people were uh, associated with different little knobs on there. They weren't all the so same. So it was fair and square. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying is that, is that when they went and you did that recount, more times than not when there was a mistake, if someone wrote down four, uh, 14 because it was an old Mrs. Crapolucci was 98 then, she's probably 110 now, she'd write down 14 when it was actually 114, or she wrote 114 was 104. And you could always go look at the at the back of the machines. It was very hard, but it was very labor-intensive. And you had to depend on the cops because all the votes went to the local precinct, and then they were assembled and then uh, passed right. on. You, you filled out these forms by hand. You put them in these manila envelopes. Right. You basically signed over the thing, and then the Associated Press would get them – Board of elections would get them, and everyone would say, "But 
But what happened? But every candidate gets a chance to have their own people in looking yes, at machines. Of course. Well, I, um, well, that, that brings up a situation very briefly. I want to talk. We have two elections in which Republicans had won on the night uh, that the tallies came in. So we look at Rockaways, your district. Tom Sullivan. He's yeah. like, uh, remember that movie, The Sullivan Brothers, World War yeah. II, where they had all served and they died, and then they made a rule you can never serve together. It's a, it's a story. The Sullivan Brothers out there in the Rockaways. Tom Sullivan, and I, I, you know, I know him. I don't know him really well. He is, if you look up, Rockaway resident. He's like the archetype. Yes. Civil servant, Irish Riviera, been around. Military hero. Military guy. Uh, served in 9-11, yeah. was bringing bodies out. I mean... Great credential. Ran yeah. against Joseph Adabo, lost fair and square. Right. So he knows how to run a race. So he beats Pfeiffer, who's the daughter. Pfeiffer, but yes. Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer, yeah. Fee-Fi-Po-Fum. Uh, who uh, uh, inherited the seat from her uh, mother, Audrey, who's like the grand dame of Queen's Democratic politics. And so he won by three votes when all was said and done. Now they have 96 absentee votes. That both sides disqualified. You know how it is. The Democrat, Republicans sit there, the hanging chad. Yeah, let's get right. rid of it. He won. And now, no, no, no. We're bringing it Wait, to the New York on. State No, Supreme on election Court. night he won, but when they went to paper. The, he still won the by three. Right. He's still up. By, now it's in the down to, like, literally three right. votes. Right. And um, so that now they said, no, we're going in with uh, New York State Supreme yeah, Court. This is, by the way, having litigation around races happens all the time, happens a lot in New York. I remember when I ran for the city council in 1991, the guy that I beat, a guy named Mike Carson, I, I had debt my first, as soon as I took office, because I had to hire lawyers to defend this this victory. He was making this novel argument. He was saying that because one of the polling places was a church and Orthodox Jews couldn't go in, he should be, I should not win, but he should. I'm like, we, like, how does that mean you got more votes? It didn't make any sense. But, yeah, this thing That's is, a brilliant argument, though. It, it, Orthodox it, and Hashem will not go in a church. Well, it was more brilliant in that he was a district leader, knew all these guys that were the judges, <laughs> and I was the reform oh, guy. you mean like Audrey Fifa Pfeiffer <laughs> knows all the New York State but Supreme where Court does judges. It but now they're going to go. They have some ballots that were spoiled that they have to go back and look at because three well, is nothing. The, the 96 ballots were eliminated. Right. Okay, by Republicans and Democrats. But they together. can be cured, right? Some of those got cured. Well, I don't know how you cure a ballot. No, they, that's there's, dead. A, there's a process now. So yeah. now you have Judge Rizzi presiding. So it'll take him about three days. And then everything has to go through recount again. But they stole the election from oh, Sullivan. They would stole you it. Stop it. Now, stop now, look at this other one. Elections. You know this district Bensonhurst, Graves, and Sunset Park, and a little bit of Borough Park. Lester Chang. Asian candidate, again, another war hero, two terms, two tours in Afghanistan. Apparently walking around in his Navy uniform and medals and everything as he's campaigning, which you're not supposed to well, do. Well, worse for your guy, Abate Jr., who is there 36 years, they're at a 9-11 commemoration, which everybody goes to for right. the right reasons. Mm-hmm. They put aside their differences. And Abate Jr. turns around in front of people, including his own Democrats and Republicans, said, Lester, don't you think it's a little early for Halloween? Ouch. Very bad. Yeah. Lester, you know, humble, uh, a lot of you, humility. You, you know him? Oh, he's been, I've known him for years. You know him in Manhattan, don't you? Know him in Manhattan, <laughs> right. But remember, he went to Midwood High School. His wife died three years ago. He lived on Rivington Street. He stayed with his mother, 95 years old, with dementia in the house he was raised in in Brooklyn. And he was the primary health care provider. So now he won fair and square, right? Uh, you have uh, 53% to 47%. 
unbelievable upset because it's not an all-Asian district. It's one-third Italian, one-third Orthodox, one-third Asian. And now they're claiming, well, he didn't live in the district. And the assembly leader, hey, saying we will block him from being able to sit. A couple of things here. First of all, they're claiming it, and he's not doing much. I've heard a better defense of his case than from you than I've heard from him. He has not provided. He has an opportunity to provide some information showing that he lived. He didn't. He doesn't live in the county. Look, here's my view of this. You got to see him because the time to challenge his residency was not after the election. If you wanted to challenge his residency, and that happens a lot, candidates will try to knock each other off, saying they don't live where they say they're going to live. You go into court, you knock guys off. People get knocked off the ballot for not living in in their districts all the time. The Democrats didn't do it. So to now say we're going to have this new process where we're going to start enforcing residency laws in the legislature, I don't like Well, that. they, cl- I don't like they that. claim they knew this originally because, you know, you put your petitions out. You have to have your place of residence on the petition. Correct. But they didn't take them seriously. Well, the guy's no, been in the assembly 36 years. It's like he owns the seat until he dies. They never thought he beat him. Yep. And he went door-to-door, old-fashioned retail politics. He had a lot of Asian and Chinese first time going door-to-door with him. Young people, which you need in the process, Democrats or Republicans. He wins a hard-fought election. And now they say, well, you weren't residing in the district. And you're right. you got to challenge before. And you know why they didn't challenge? They didn't think he'd have a chance to win. I I get it. Look, and, and, and you you can look at this two ways. A lot of people think, you know, hey, just win at the ballot box. Don't do these ticky-tack things where you try to knock people off and everything else. I'm I'm with you. I think you've got to seed him because think about the precedent that you're setting up, that now you're going to have the – and, and it, this happens sometimes. Ult, the ultimate authority to who gets seated in the legislature, just like Congress, is, to the, is with the legislators. They get to decide who joins their little group there. This is a really bad look. It's a really bad look. First of all, the Democrats have a majority of like 100. It's right. like it's not like it's a super is, majority. Yeah, it, it is not like it matters that much. Secondly, there is a pitch battle going on for the hearts and minds of the Asian American community in New York. Yeah. You were you were the point of the spear on that in your race against Eric Adams. I won it for the first time. Right. And and you're seeing that that Lee Zeldin kind of he won it. He he, he kind of went down this the way to win back is not to say take one of yours that got elected and throw him out. Plus, a war hero. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like it'd be different. If yeah, you would say, hey, you know, this guy. We don't know who he is. He was off the radar screen. Yeah, I know, but he's a guy who doesn't live in the district too. He's a guy, you know, a red Chinese agent. You know, war hero. But he's a guy who doesn't live in the district. I mean, the guy's not without fault here. The guy doesn't live in the district. He lives in Manhattan. Doesn't you, live you, in Brooklyn. Now you know this. Lautenberg was U.S. Senator in New Jersey. You know where he lived, Manhattan. People, he'd come out of his apartment and people say, oh, yeah, Frank Lautenberg lives here. Well, he wasn't the only one. Cor- Corzine would be, he spent more time at my brother's restaurant in the Hamptons than right. he did at the, at the, at the Jersey Corey Shore. Cory Booker was voted one of the most, 100 most influential New Yorkers. He was never in Newark. <laughs> and that was yeah. at the U.S. Senate level. I think the way you resolve this is in two years you beat the guy. Anyway, up next, you got to explain this. Twitter. Uh, Why is it so important? Because most people, they don't have a Twitter account. They they read all these headlines. They see all these stories. Elon Musk, you know, right now, he's dominating the headlines. you got to explain the importance of it because most people are saying, 
You know, my day is not at all affected by Twitter. What the hell do I care what goes on? 100%. I'll be glad to break it down for you. I know a thing or two about Twitter. I am the fourth most infamous Twitter user. Wow. More expert here because me, I'm a Luddite. That's what you get left versus right, Anthony Weiner. If you missed any of his In the Middle, you go to WABCRadio.com for all your podcast needs. And what's the other podcast? It's I called keep? The Middle Unplugged, which comes out on Wednesdays because people can't get enough of it on Saturdays. So we do a little bit more. It's a little bit more blue. We curse a little bit in the podcast. Not purple yet. Not purple Not yet. yet. <laughs> all right. Anyway, right here exclusively on WABC. It's the left versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. See, I get a little recognition here from Anthony Weiner on living color, cult of personality. But with Rage Against the Machine, the lead guy being a communist, I noticed you're not a communist, so you would have recognized that initial opening song that Ryan played. You had no recognition of that first song. I did song. not. I did not. But this is part you're of... You're not a communist. No, then. but this is part of, you know, Ryan's here for Kevin this weekend, so, like, slowly the communist vibes are creeping into the room. But this song could be applied to so many people. That's true. Trump, right? Obviously, Kanye, uh, Farrakhan. We can go right on down the yeah. list, but that's not what we're talking about now. And, by the way, warming up in the bullpen, Rob Astorino. Yeah. I hope he responds to... Shavu! Hefe, Chris Christie, who before the GOP governance conference apparently got a standing ovation, you know, attacking Trump, but also saying, I helped every Republican candidate out there when I was the head of this committee. And I said to myself, wait, I remember Chairman Ed Koch, who contributes to the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion at John Katzmatidis, New York State Chairman of the Republican Party. That's right, Ed Cox, I'm sorry. And Rob Astorino, who was the candidate against uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo 2014, Flying all the way to Aspen. And Chris Christie wouldn't even see them, wouldn't give him a nickel, dime, a penny because he protected Cuomo, who actually Astorino ran a great race against. If he had a little help from Shamu, El Jefe, Chris Christie, who loves revisionism, history might have been different. Yeah, but you want to hear a hot take? Yes, get, get hot ready take, for hot it. Hot take. Astorino was the nominee, might have won this year. Someone that didn't have the the Trump baggage, someone that didn't have the the overturning of democracy baggage, just saying, and you know, just saying. Okay, but then again, you know, Zeldin, he was on that 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 railroad train, and your peeps in the last ten days, as I said, started spreading street, street money in Buffalo, in Brooklyn, and that's where they ran uh, won the election. Uh, I I I you know, when it's as close as it was, you can point to a lot of things that might have been the difference. I've said this before, that I think that the thing that that independents and moderate Democrats who cared about crime, who, res, who with whom Zeldin's message resonated, could not bring themselves to vote for an election denial. I, I will tell you this. Uh, on that Sunday before the election, black reverends were in the bully pulpit saying, God has dictated that we vote for Kathy Hochul. And I'm saying, well, in God we trust? 
How much money did they pay you, the uh, well, Democratic State I mean, Committee? We do know that God was on Kathy Hochul's side. Yeah, yeah, right, right. right. Really God we trust. About that. It's street money, good old-fashioned <laughs> street money. But anyway, so Astorino will be up next from uh, 4 to 5 before the Staten Island Prince Vinny Madugno and our night of entertainment. But Anthony, Twitter dominates all coverage. Elon Musk, amazing the way he can force the media to follow him, not just because he's the world's richest guy, but because he now owns Twitter. And I'm saying to myself, well, most people, they don't have Twitter. They don't understand how it operates. Why is this so important? Why? What? Hollywood loves making movies about Hollywood. Journalists and reporters love talking to themselves about journalism and reporting. And the rest of the world basically is fairly tuned out. I mean, look, fewer and fewer people are paying attention. And, and, and I, I want to say this. Every giant social media company that we think can never be replaced, they're going to be around, you know, Friendster is going to be around forever, you know, whatever it is. All of them get stale after a while. People stop checking in and someone else comes along. But the reason why Twitter is such a source of fascination, one, there is no doubt that we have a Musk obsession. We are obsessed in this country with rich people. We think that somehow they've got their great because they became rich. We think we should care what they think. And unlike John and Margot Katsimatidis, who took over a radio station to try to make it a better radio station, you can argue that Musk took over Twitter to try to make it more of his personal megaphone, which is, doesn't make it very enticing to a lot of people. You know, some data came out, came out this week from people who sit around and just monitor Twitter. It's become more of a cesspool for anti-Semitism, more of a cesspool for racism, more of a cesspool for, for anti-LGBT uh, speech. It's just become a worse right, place. Where do you stand on the whole issue of free speech? I am a believer that if you don't like hate speech or what you perceive as hate speech, the way you um, sanitize it is with more speech, not less speech. And it doesn't really work that way. If you're an advert, look, what is it? It's an advertising company, Twitter. If you are... General, uh, a, a General Electric or, or, or GM, and you're advertising your cars, you don't want in the same feed that you're advertising in people to be doing hate speech. It's bad business. It's bad business. And, and I don't think you're very clear or something. It is as much a freedom of speech not to be on a platform as it is to be on one. He's saying, oh, why don't you want to be – you guys are violating free speech by not wanting to be in my cesspool. No, part of the way people vote is by not being there. So are you praising Trump who was put back on and he said, thank you, but no thank you. I've got my own platform here. I don't – no, I'm not praising Oh, see? I'm not – Praising. I don't care whether people are on Twitter or not is, uh, All right, no, give me an example. Is, is, of no, is of no consequence to me. And by the way, one other thing I want to make sure our listeners understand. I know you get this, this whole talk about the First Amendment. First Amendment has nothing to do with a commercial company. You know, there's not a First Amendment right to say something on a commercial co- a company's website. Okay. First Amendment just protects you from right. the government. So you say what Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and obviously Twitter are. They're commercial companies. Why have we exempted them from lawsuits? They are not a community bulletin board. They kind of are. I mean, look, I see I see both sides of the argument. Imagine if you are a social media company and you are responsible for the content of every single tweet to make sure it didn't harm someone's reputation, to make sure it didn't you didn't disparage your brand, to make sure you didn't reveal someone's private information. You'd never be able to function. I mean, all that that provision is, I know a lot of people are pointing at it, Section 230, whatever it is. All it does is say that if you want to have a social media company, you have to be protected from being responsible for every person. The second part of that argument, and I totally agree with this, 
Newspapers are dying every day. Every day. And these social networking platforms, like the Zuck, like Musk now, like YouTube, they take content from these news. They don't pay them anything. Right. And they blast it out as if it was theirs. You know, they give them a little credit. But the point being is they're getting free information and they're not paying for well, it look, at all. Look, you're an example. You sometimes do these video blurbs uh, for Facebook. Okay? I watch them religiously. I comment under an assumed name so you don't know that I'm, oh, I'm oh, saying this. So I'm saying we got to figure out which assumed uh, name yeah, it is. I mean, just, just look look for the one who's uh, who's calling you names. But, okay, if that's on that same page, someone is tuning in and watching and clicking. Facebook knows who it is. They don't tell you who it is. They have advertisements yes. scrolling down the bottom of the page, yes. mixed in with your content. And if you go too long, they'll interrupt you with an ad on Facebook. Yes. You don't get any of that revenue. Yeah, yeah. And the only reason why people are tuning in is because to see your little clip. You're exactly right. But that's what that's why these companies are so powerful. Well, let's use the perfect example of Kanye West, who is like just deteriorating before us. Here it is. He um, had that uh, sit down. With the uh, jerky boy there from Austin, Texas, uh, Mr. War Room or whatever he calls yeah. Infowars, and he still he was put back on Twitter. Remember, he has been he has been forced off Twitter, put back on. For he gives me vertical, so must put him back he on. Gives you what? Vertical. Oh, vertigo. Because he's yeah. on, he's off. Yeah, yeah, he's on, it. he's got off. It. You got know, it. he never gets excommunicated or right. expelled like I did from high school, where you can't come back. Right. Oh, you, oh, you're suspended. The most recent one was because he put a swastika on the Star of David. And all of a sudden, Musk said, enough, that's it, you're suspended right. again, but he'll be back. But while he was going crazy on InfoWars, talking all kinds of nuttiness, the two guys with him were using his account, and they were blasting it out to 32 million people on yeah. his Twitter account. Yeah, yeah. And so 32 million people, hypothetically, uh, because a lot of them are bots, they don't exist. You could actually buy them. But the point is, a lot of people could have been watching that. And so now that forum is cut off, but he'll be put back on it. And I'm saying to myself, but how does Twitter affect an average American? I, I, I don't see it. I, I Listen, I, I think you're right, except it becomes an amplification and an echo chamber for hate. That it definitely does. We've seen it since Musk. And Musk, you know, why, does, why do people like Kanye West keep getting on and off? Because Musk supports a lot of this stuff. He said so. All right. But now he, so. he, he puts out the Hunter Biden drops that we find out to Twitter. So we can't put it out there because that was a result of hacking. It wasn't a result of hacking. We now it see was. that the New York Times agrees it was right. Washington no, Post, no, no, CBS. No, 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 no. By the way, you're walking into some high weeds here. This is my special. Wait, wait, I, am, I sat with Rudy Giuliani am, last night. He's the guy who brought it to uh, our attention. Uh, uh, but by the way, you, Rudy Giuliani gave it to the New York Post. You know who else he gave it to? Who's that? Nobody. So when people talk about the big cover-up... Excuse me. It's called exclusivity. I understand. But but all this, like, the major media covered it up. No. Rudy made the decision to only give it to the Post. So what, What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it, but don't claim cover-up. Don't claim the New York Times covered it up or the Washington Post covered it up. Why did it, went, it take 18 months for them to acknowledge it wasn't a Russian disinformation because campaign? Because it finally came into the public domain. They finally got the... The, 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 um, the, the drive was finally released. Why did Fox News... 
Why did um, uh, why did the Wall Street Journal both say that they, that that this was BS? Because they weren't given so access. You would to agree this now, thing. now that you have access to it, it is not Russian disinformation. I, no, I don't believe it's Russian disinformation. But I can tell you, it was very in October of 2020. What did everyone think it was? And by the way, never did the 51 people that signed that letter say it was Russian disinformation. They never said. What that. did they say? They said specifically in that letter. By the way, go to my. I think it's episode four of the middle. We episode go over this. Four. We we go over this. Ryan, get episode four. We go four. over After this. The show, in, I got to listen when Rob Astorino is on. We go over this in detail. But one of the things oh, that letter just says, "Hey, we saw what happened in 2016, almost this exact time on the calendar, and now somebody produces a laptop, refuses to share it with anyone else, and it comes from a half-blind guy you're in Delaware." You're blaming the messenger, Rudy. No, he, I'm saying he it, got it. He did everything he could to make it look suspicious. Oh, my God. Why He's the one who it? revealed all of this. Nobody no, would listen didn't. to him. He gave it to the New York Post. And he gave it to the U.S. Attorney's Office, no, Delaware State no, Police. No, no, no. He did not give it to the U.S. Attorney's Office. The U.S. Attorney's Office, when they saw these stories, this big cover-up, they came in and seized it. They didn't cover up anything. No, 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 no. He provided it. Oh, man, you you, you have to have a shit-down with Rudy. Go, go, big, quite, big, listen, I, I am more than we willing to. We should have a, a show just you and Rudy didn't? to discuss. You, you are an expert. Funny, you want to hear a funny expert. story yes. about this? That, you know, Miranda Devine wrote this, this great, Miranda Devine yes. wrote this great book about it. I reviewed the book, by the way, episode six. I reviewed the book, read over it. Excellent book. Got episode six. I need to hear that got when some, Rob Astorino is on the stuff. next hour. Please, Ryan, make sure you have that. Got some stuff me. wrong. But all of that being said, you know, um, uh, uh, John Katzmedia is a brilliant radio guy. Then why don't we have a debate about it? Yes. Okay. Miranda says yes. Anthony Weiner says yes. The editors of the Post said no. All right. Forget Miranda. The, our house guy is Rudy. You're our house guy. How about the both of you? You're friendly towards one another. I I, I like Rudy very much. I don't. I I I am willing. We don't have that much that the, the public don't make the public knowledge about this is now just a Anthony, question of. Let me let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me just make one point. The only question in the public now are three questions. One was there venal motivation in how this was covered back in the day. I think it's an open and shut case. It was covered as best anyone could. Every major newspaper had it as best they could, but they weren't given the laptop. Two, is there bad stuff on there for Hunter Biden? No doubt about it. Terrible, terrible stuff. And three, and this is the weakest part of it, is there bad stuff in there for Joe Biden? And there's wafer thin, like nothing. All right, but let's think about this in terms of how it benefits WABC. It'll be a ratings extravaganza. Oh Rudy and Anthony experts in this right you have personal experiences both of you man everybody in the world well, would be the, by the way i got my own laptop well that's what i'm I talking about you have personal experiences and what in was this the era. highest rated pre-election show that this station did me and andrew giuliani debating about you this we're, we're a winning ticket. Right, but, winner giuliani but, uh well, first off greg kelly kept interfering he doesn't understand he's the moderate he would ask you the question and then he would say, hold on, Andrew, I'll answer that. Remember, I came barging in, and I said to Greg, Greg, you're the freaking moderator. It was Greg's show. He did a, he did a fine said, job. tweet me, tweet me. He did a fine job. He did a fine job. The problem was, you know, I was No, kinda... no, but imagine this. We keep Greg Kelly out of this. He admits he can't be a moderator. We get Dominic Carter, the best moderator. moderator in the business. 100%. He has moderated the biggest uh, debates in the world. You and Rudy, Rudy's very respectful towards you. And and, and I have him. Let me tell you something. I'll give up all my hours at WABC. (laughs) You could do four straight hours, always broadcasting. You would have such ratings that Sid Rosenberg would be envious. It's it's not necessary. By the way, do you think it's good for the country we keep talking about Hunter Biden's laptop? Do you think Americans care about that? Yes. No way, man. 
No. We, love, we cared about Billy Carter. We cared about the Kennedys. We cared about Reagan's kids. We always care. We cared about the Trump kids. When you're in the White House, we always care about your kids. FDR, remember FDR's family, right? His brother. Oh, man. Come on. You know that from history. When you become a sibling uh, involved with the president of the United States, man, you are ready for prime time. Look at the Bush gals, right? I mean, come on, Anthony. Uh, listen, I listen. It's good for me because people go back and listen to the middle where I do this episode. I, early on, I think it was episode four, but I'm going to look it up. When we come back from the break, I'll have exactly which episodes I did Hunter Biden. On. That's right. You get them ready, Ryan, because when uh, uh, Rob Astorino comes on from four, excuse me, yeah, four to five before uh, uh, the Prince of Staten Island, Benny Madunio, I'll have a chance to listen to both of those episode, to get up to speed. Episode two. That's how episode eager two, I was. Episode four. two. Hunter Biden's laptop explained. By you, but not by Rudy. I want I want the antidote, and that's to hear Rudy Giuliani's version. And both these guys are here exclusively at WABC. It's the left versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Circa Dayton, Ohio. I don't know if you ever had the album cover of the woman who they poured golden blossom honey over. That was the cover of the Ohio Players album. She had no clothes on. Well, one of the great losses that we have in today's musical world is we don't have album covers anymore. That's true. I mean, it's a real loss. At liner notes, album covers, it's, uh, it's lost. Gone. But... Now, let's speak about uh, the issue that the mayor put right on the map before he left uh, for his anti-Semitism conference in Athens. And now, as he sat in the crowd and watched Team USA lose to the Netherlands. Yeah, right on. Knocked him out. Can't wait for them to come back now, home. I, I, I get why you were rooting for Iran, because suddenly you're very concerned about civil rights in Iran. I get it. Why would you possibly be rooting for the United States to lose against Netherlands? Well, first off, we know they're celebrating in Amsterdam as we speak in Rotterdam. They are at the coffee shop smoking ropes of dope and having hash brownies. They've got their wooden shoes on. They're smelling the tulips and they're watching the windmills, you know, which is all part of the Dutch culture. They deserve to win. That's their sport. It's soccer. They they're weaned on soccer. It's it's their only national sport. I mean, well, why do you have why do you have such empathy for like these are that doesn't mean that we can't root we can't come together as a country and root for our own boys 
to go do well. And by the way, look at the diversity of our team. Look at they're, they're a young team. They're in their twenties or something. How can you not root for those? They guys? suck. They have no offense. Come on, admit it. They First no of all, offense. I got to tell you, I'm by the way, I'm now something of an expert on soccer. I've oh, now watched two matches. Me, I've now me. watched two matches. <laughs> you so like now, the mayor? The mayor knew. So say, he admitted he knew nothing about soccer, it, but he was going over to Qatar to learn about security. Isn't it funny? You can't shake a dead cat nowadays with people telling you all wait, their insights into. Wait, uh, stop. You can't shake a dead cat. Oh, my wife who, Nancy is listening. To. Oh my God! You know Dominic Carter said. You know there's uh, different ways to skin a cat. He got in trouble with yeah, my wife. I, I let's let's burn that tape, Ryan. No, there there there's, there's you can't shake shake a stick at someone with that them telling you some insight about soccer. We all know we don't know jack about soccer. We haven't. We're going to go back to normal tomorrow talking about football like we know what that's about. But it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. Let me explain. Let me explain, because I have always hated soccer. You've listened to me, and I call it the fake, phony, fraudulent football they spell with a U. Kickball, kickball, go! No, no, no. They tried to brainwash us years ago right here in New York. I don't even think you were born yet. Uh, I remember the Cosmos. The Cosmos. Giorgio Canalia. Right. They brought in Pele, world's greatest player. Unfortunately, who is in Sao Paulo with serious cancer. Yeah, he's not doing well. And why he's in Sao Paulo and not in Miami or New York at one of the Is it cancer? I thought they didn't know what he had. Yeah, yeah, it's cancer. Uh I think uh liver cancer. But the point is, why would you stay in Brazil? Now, they have some good doctors. I've been in a hospital in Rio, but... It's not New York. It's not Miami. But anyway, put that aside. Franz Beckenbauer. Right. Franz, the, the best in Germany. And Canalia. Remember? Giorgio Canalia from Italy, who they thought at that point might have been the best player in the world. And then they had your guy, I think, Messing in goal. Shep Messing. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, he was uh, one of your people, I think, one of the And they would people. put 70,000 people in Giant Stadium for Easily. that. Easily. Yeah. All the trendoids would show up, Studio 54. Yeah. And they said, it's on its way to becoming a mainstream sport in America because of the cosmos, and then they started to have our kids play it. Well, back then, it was like a different generation. Everybody had to play soccer. And then they started, well, soccer is great because everybody gets to play on the pitch. And there are no winners or losers most times because it's usually nil-nil, zero-zero, most boring game. My son, Hunter, right, who plays in the Forest Hill Soccer League, is now the goalie. They didn't win one game all year. (laughs) One game. He got a trophy. He got a certificate. Oh, you you had a great season. They are trying to brainwash men, young boys and young girls into soccer. And what usually happens is they're into it. They're into it through high school, a little bit of college. And then all of a sudden, What's they go the on a bo- smash-mouth American look, football. We understand why it's a good sport for kids because they just kind of run around at random. You Bump can't into tell a, each other. You can't tell a good player from a bad player. No. Who cares? And yes, and like if you want to have a if you want to have a safe birthday party when you're a six year old, just have a soccer party. Let the kids run around like crazy. Right. Fine. And they get guess, tired out. Well, what's get... the? But by the way, it hasn't gotten a lot a, a, a lot of attention, perhaps. But the the the, the uh, major league soccer does very well. They're building a stadium out in Queens that's going to fill up. That's because of all the immigrants. You go out. You go, wait. That's because of all the immigrants. It's a popular thing it's around pop- the world, not here. Even here. I'm sorry. So, no, these major league soccer matches are are full. These these these. Oh, are, oh yeah. The, now the they're Red bringing, Bull. They're bringing Messi into Miami for like uh, two trillion dollars. Yeah, the guy who threw the match to the Saudi Arabians, the first match, right? Remember against Saudi Arabia. You look at the Saudi Arabian team. They've never played soccer you can't before. Blame they, the were, guy. they were riding. They were riding camels in the desert, you can't going blame from the guy for earning, to sook. for earning a couple of bucks. He's not going to play soccer forever. I mean, he, he got bribed. 
Yeah, but well, I don't see the harm. I mean, I don't see the, the harm. I do. It, 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 it's it, now it gone. It ruins the foundation of America. It does it now. That's right. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Smash Mouth football, American football, that's, that's us, right? I mean, almost nobody else plays that. Then we have a World Series in baseball. Notice how omnipotent and pretentious we are. Yes. We call it the World Series. Correct. The only other team is in Canada, in Toronto, <laughs> but it's the World <laughs> Series. And then the other world sport that everybody loves, Europe, and especially Red China, our enemy, basketball, well, NBA basketball, basketball. These are great exports. So those are the top three. Uh, junior varsity, that's soccer in America. It, it'll always be there. Well, you, you know I'm a big hockey fan. But, yes, I, I agree, but I don't see the harm in one series. Look. Every four years, how, how often? Is, I don't know how often they every do this. Four years, every every four. four years, we all tune in. We pretend we know something about the sport. We talk about it for a few minutes and then go back to our life. Yeah, but but you what's see, the harm? It's the new world order. It's trying to unite us all around soccer. And I say, no, we need to God maintain God, our American God identity. God forbid we get united around something. God oh my forbid. God. Well, let me tell you something. Here is our mayor. You've been supportive of the mayor. I'm probably his... I've, I've I've applied to be the rat commissioner. Right. Yes. I, I am probably the number one detractor of Eric Adams the moment I lost the election. But he goes to the anti-Semitism conference, Athens. Okay. He flies on a Qatar. It, but just to be clear, it's an anti-anti-Semitism. Yes, anti-anti-Semitism. Thank you for the constructive criticism. <laughs> then he flies on a Qatar. He says, "I need to be here three days. My boots on the ground to see the security." that they provided for World Cup, because in 2026, World Cup will be in our area. Kind of. Kind of. Right, right. Right. Say, our area. Well, wait, wait. Not City Field, not Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium actually is used by the MSL, right, right? right. Uh, in off season. Where, where are they playing the game, Eric? The Meadowlands, East Rutherford, Chicago. So why do you have to be involved in learning security? Then the caveat to that is, the other day, I'm talking to Rudy Giuliani, who I'm trying to get you one-on-one in on this Hunter yes, laptop. America's mayor. He says to me, you know, Eric won't meet with me. You know, he does everything to avoid me on public safety matters. But when I was out of office, you know, I had the law firm and I had the private security agency. I taught them all the security for the Southeast Asian Games, which was the pretext where they went to the world uh, FIFA, FIFA, FOFA uh, committee and bribed them, but said, hey, we already had a successful Southeast Asian Games here. He taught them the security. All Eric Adams had to do is say, finally have a dinner that Sid Rosenberg is trying to arrange between uh, Rudy and Eric Adams, and he could have explained I it. know. There, there's a lot. There was a lot of angry words said by Mayor Giuliani that I think that, that if I were Eric Adams, I would put them aside and I would take the counsel of someone. You don't have to agree with everything Mayor Giuliani says, but we're in a moment that the last time we were in such a moment, the mayor, Mayor Giuliani, was in, and I think he could, I think it it, it would behoove the two of them well, to, Andy, to meet with one another. But by the way, the, the one thing about the trip that I find funny, he says on the way back, I'm going to do, I'm going to, it ain't on the way back. That's dude. right. <laughs> it's like 2,000 miles in the other direction. And he says, <laughs> it's on my dime. You don't need to know anything more. And you're, you're basically goading the media. You know, it's sort of like, guy, we know you're not a man of wealth. You're not Bloomberg. You can't well, just lease I a think private he, jet. I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt if it weren't for the fact that he had that trip to Puerto Rico where he said he paid for it. It turns yeah. out he was on someone else's plane. Brock I think Pierce, he, Brock Pierce, cryptocurrency, Ponzi schemer. But anyway, yeah. real quick, last night we're at the Tunnel to Towers Foundation dinner. They were honoring John and Marco Katzmatidis. Who am I sitting with at the table? 
Sid Rosenberg trying to negotiate, trying to do the shidduck to get Rudy Giuliani, who he was sitting next to, to the table with Eric Adams. He says they're going to have dinner on December 14th. Mark it down on your calendar. Would be Sid, who's there, and the moderator. Eric Adams, the mayor, and the former mayor, uh, Rudy Giuliani. Sid Sid is the moderator since he's so close with Eric Adams. Right, right. Uh, And so I'm sitting next to Rudy saying, don't do it. Rudy, the guy called you a racist. If he apologizes, if he apologizes, I give him my blessing. Please do it. And then Rudy turns to Sid and goes, that's fair. He did call me a racist. Wait a minute, but what are the things that Rudy has said over the over the last year about Eric Adams? Well, we give him an exemption on that because, remember, Rudy is entitled to his uh, opinions because he's no longer in government, whereas Eric Adams, he called him a racist. He called me a racist. I think that they both should lay down arms without preconditions and negotiate, no. meet, meet at the 49th parallel, Wait meet in that neutral area. In fact, Rudy asked me, he goes, Curtis, once it tells me the location, I want you to go in advance, <laughs> out of colors. Into the men's room. Into the men's room. <laughs> Leave the cannolis at home. You know what I mean by that. That's a different, that's a different scene. Bring a roll of tape and a revolver. <laughs> and, and we're only going to eat at one of those places that still has the toilet where you pull the chain. Exactly. <laughs> the old, old school Italian restaurant. Uh, anyway, up next, we have to talk about, though, the program that Eric Adams introduced. That yes. a lot of people universally applauded. Some a page pants. out of your book. But when he flew off, the police who have to enforce it said, what program? What plan? Nobody told us. Please explain that, how you can announce a plan. And the key participants don't know what the hell you're talking about. The NYPD right here on Left versus Right. Uh, in fact, if you want to pickpocket um, Anthony Weiner in terms of his ideas in the city like I do, which podcast? We got you go keys to? to the city. That's another podcast we have on the Red Apple Podcast Network. We take one issue each week, and we uh, describe a solution to it, and then we talk to an expert remember, about what they think. Keys to the city. It's in Manhattan. So if you steal the keys like I do every week, Alvin Bragg is not going to prosecute you. Definitely You're free not. to De- pickpocket Anthony Weiner. Exactly. Bragg will not prosecute you in any circumstances. At wabcradio.com. It's the left versus the right. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right. In the right corner, it's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa. In the left corner, it's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. D-Train, oh, great, great old jam. In fact, tonight, when I take you from 12 midnight to 6 in the morning, Anthony, to the break of dawn. You're on the radio tonight? Of course. I'm on the radio all the time, always broadcasting, Curtis. I'm going to talk about the two situations where Guardian Angels earlier today, the Bronx Patrol, had a deal with emotionally disturbed persons, one on the D-Train on 167th Street and one on the 4 train at 138. It is... A problem that everyone recognizes. They just can't agree on what to do. So the mayor had this huge press conference uh, at City Hall before his departure to Athens uh, to give that speech uh, about uh, the problem of anti-Semitism. And the whole army was behind him. I, I don't know what when this first began the trend. You have a press conference and you have a whole army of people behind you. Almost nobody 
who has anything to do with the idea there. So he's going on and on. He's going, you know, it's time. There is a provision of the law that allows us to remove, without the permission of an emotionally disturbed person or a homeless person, them from the subway streets or parks, if, in fact, it, it appears they cannot take care of themselves or they're a danger to themselves and a danger to everyone else. Now, he then went on to say that nobody before, you know, who's ever been mayor has done that. I'm saying that's exactly what Rudy and Bloomberg did, but it's what de Blasio refused to do with the one and a half billion dollars that we spent on Thrive that was never used for that purpose. I don't know what it was used for, but whatever. Then Eric Adams jets away. <coughs> they go over to the police department because he was asked the question at that press conference, where's police commissioner Sewell or any representative of the NYPD? You talked about how they're the vanguard. They're the first to respond. He said, well, I spoke to Sewell this morning. She was under the weather. Turns out she's over at one police plaza saying bye to uh, the number three guy in the department, Corey, who had served 32 years, you know, big ceremony outside. She doesn't show any indication that she's under the weather. In fact, the next day she has a party at the stock exchange. What the hell are you doing having a party? And then we hear from police. He never told them what the plan was before he took off. For Qatar. Now, Anthony, it's it's a good idea. To, but if the police aren't in on it, how do you do this? All right. For, for this is everything that's wrong with somehow the, that's that's sometimes how you cover the Adams administration. Who cares who's at a press conference? Who cares who was at something before or after? Who cares who's having a party? It's the policy that we care about. And by the way, if you need to if you need to write a story for the New York Post saying the cops don't like this, finding some random cop who's going to without any identification say, oh, yeah, it was a bad idea or I wasn't told about it. Let's get to the nub of this, which is he's doing a difficult but correct thing, which is trying to deal with the number. Uh, clearly, it's a proliferation. Maybe it's post covid. Maybe something else is going on of the emotionally disturbed people on the streets who need some help. He is right about something in that past mayors have been reluctant to take people off the streets when they were only a harm to themselves because where do you take them? We don't have sufficient psychiatric beds. We don't have sufficient resources to, like, you don't want. And and maybe we should not have the cops at the point of the sword on this, which is why I think what you got to do is go out and hire a bunch of people who are not necessarily police officers. Can't you hire them. Can't hire There's a hiring freeze. I No, I understand. But I'm saying that if you're going to do this, the way to do it is to say this is not primarily a law enforcement thing. But remember what the cops are, some 35,000 strong. They're our biggest all-purpose Swiss Army knife of kind of quasi-paramilitary that we have. If you're going to do something, the, the people who are out on the street every day are the cops. Who are people going to call? Right, They're going to call the cops. you got to tell them what your plan is. And secondarily, we can't even hire you as the rats are for 120000 or 170000 because there's no money. There's a hiring freeze. I already made my business cards. Anthony Weiner, Ratsar. This is unbelievable. Anyway, up next, uh, from 4 to 5 before the Prince of Staten Island begins the entertainment that we give you on the weekends, courtesy of John and Margot Katsimatidis. In fact, yesterday was Margot Katsimatidis' birthday. Uh, It starts at 5, goes right on to 12 midnight. You have Cousin Brucie. 
Tyler George came from the same area that you represented. Tony Orlando without Dawn, then I returned. I know, but you buried the lead. Rob Astorino is yeah. going to be well, here. Now, you see, for the next hour, it's Rob Astorino. He's done talk radio. Yep. He was basically the Republican representative on CNN, which was not an easy task. Uh, so they would attack him I'm, on I'm a regular basis. I'm going to be basis. calling in with my hot take. If he were the nominee, we'd have a Republican governor right That's now. That's right. Well, not only that, what a spirited primary it was with yep. Rob Astorino, Andrew Giuliani, and Harry Wilson. I think it actually strengthened Lee Zeldin uh, because it it really smacked him up and got him ready to run against Kathy Hochowitz. Rob Astorino up next exclusively here at WABC. It's the left versus the right.